it's Latin. Consider, actually, um, con, it's two words in Latin, con meaning with, and then I can't remember exact word, but something like sideris or sideris, and it actually means stars. So to, to consider something means to think or, or look at something with stars. Psalms of eight. O Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your reputation throughout the earth. You reveal your majesty in the heavens above. From the mouths of children and nursing babies, you have ordained praise on account of your adversaries so that you might put an end to the vindictive enemy. When I consider the heavens that your fingers have made and I see the moon and the stars which you set in place is the human race that you should even take notice of us what importance is man that you should pay attention to him to them and make them a little less than the heavenly beings You grant mankind honor and majesty. You appoint them to rule over your creation. You have placed everything under their authority, including all the sheep and the cattle, as well as all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that moves in the current of the seas. Our Lord, how magnificent is your reputation throughout all of the world. to the mountain of the Lord. 
this dreary place, he made his own things new. Come up here to the mountain of our Lord. Come up here to the mountain of our Lord. Come up here to the mountain of our Lord. Come up here to the Shine! 
dance on the chains of my circumstance, walk on the ways of the storm. I want to dance on the chains of my circumstance, walk on the ways of the storm.
Oh! 
While we're uh, closing out of this one, go ahead and give us time to give this morning. Lord, I just bless the giving in this house, and I just pray you bless every creative experience with the individuals here and on the sound of my voice, Lord. And be blessed, Lord, in their gifts and their businesses. And let's pray, Lord, that you would give them is encouraged, Lord, to go out and step out into the ministries or businesses that you call them into. I pray your particular blessings on them. And I just pray your blessings over and abundant, above what we can ask or think. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you as you give. After last week and and at Starlink Five, that podcast material will come out this next uh, week. Um, and Henry, when he gets back into town, and we'll get the Starlink Five up. And I'd really like for you to listen to that because uh, even today's sermon that we'll enter into together, it really requires a it'll require a context to be able to even hear you know what I'm saying today. Uh, because this con- the context of, of what we're looking at, and I'm just going to do a really quick recap and then jump into the text today in the series that we've been in. That last week I was laying the foundation for you that the, the, the ministry of Jeremiah had overlapped the ministry of Daniel, who will overlap the ministry of Ezekiel. And one of the things that I really want you to understand about Jeremiah. Uh, just to kind of get this in, in, in there is Jeremiah is at the end of the southern kingdom and God had made him an assayer. An assayer is a person who um, basically examines metals and to see that, uh, about their purity. And so when God had made Jeremiah and he sent him before Judah in the southern kingdom, he, he, he brought him in there to assay or to check the metallurgy of the rulership and the kingship of, that, of those Judean kings. And Jeremiah was so radically a holy man and godly man that he, what he did is he projected the nature of God onto those kings and those kings 
projected by. And, and what you had was like a mirror that was set up between them. So you have the senior level prophet with the senior level kings. And what would happen is his transmission of what God would say or who God was would expose the kingship in his day. And out of that exposure, those kings were getting uh, really mad at him. They didn't want the revelation of God to come back to them because what, it, what, that, what happens when that happens is it reveals something inside of you that, and inside of them, which was an impediment. It wasn't like the Lord. Anybody ever been asked You know what I mean? When someone else says, well, I just, I'm really just standing on the Lord. I don't mean to offend you or anything, but... And then next thing you know, the other person's upset. Or maybe you've been that person. And you, you don't know why all of a sudden you are sort of tensed up and upset. And, and maybe you're being asked And I, you know, I was one time, I was like, how do you deal with this, Lord? How do you, how do you know? And I pointed this out last week that if, if the speck is in your eye and the log is in the other one, they'll be more offended and they'll repeat the story line over and over and over. And, and the speck would be, Oh God, something's not right here. Would you please forgive me? And you'll be able to bring it to the altar of the Lord. But if the log is in your eye, you'll rehearse the story over and over and over and over and over again because you have the offense, the major offense, and the other person possibly has the spell because iron sharpens iron, right? So we sharpen the, uh, the countenance of our friends. And so this is what's going on with Jeremiah at the level of the nation. And the kings, maybe you see this in marriage, but even in marriage, you're, I believe it's in Corinthians 7, it says, what know you, man, if you will sanctify your wife? Or what know you, woman, if you will sanctify your husband? And so there's, there's this thing with, even within marriage, where marriage is working, working to bring out those places that are not like the Lord. And we see this within the marriage covenant. We also, if, if you're not married, you see this within God's house where you're seeing it. Um, you'll see it not just in genders, but you'll see it uh, socioeconomically. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of the socioeconomic issues today. You know, pitting against two economies, major, the different class structures. And so this this aggravation and tension, like you have more than I have, and I should have what you have, or, or you're poor, you don't have anything, and I have everything. And then, you know, the bias that goes on even in with social economics. And then we don't just have it there, we have ethnically. We have issues of eth ethnicity that are, people are conflicting over different eth ethnicities. You know, my, my nation is better. You know, my color is, my color is better than your color is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, is this not what's going on in the news? It's on the finance and the racism and, and everything. It's playing our culture. And gender issues. And her everything. It's just, it's just all over the place, right? And, and this is especially important because this understanding is so is getting so uh, way in our nation and in the nations of the world now that we're not seeing the other person rightfully. We don't like anybody to imply anything about us. And if someone's person, even if it's just sitting there, 
And it makes me feel bad. And I don't feel good about them. And I can sort of just say whatever I want to. And you know, this is happening just uh, everywhere. But there's this nature that's like John 3 talks about. He says, those that are of the light will come to the light so that their deeds may be reproved. And so it's a different kind of idea. But generally, generally speaking, people don't like to have something implied onto themselves. But those who are of the light, they come to the light. And so they're looking for the thing. Why am I bristling? And why is this conflict happening here? And you're not just automatically assuming that it's the other party. But this is happening in Jeremiah's day with these kings. And because the king has power... He has like, almost, he feels like he has absolute power. Well, they can just throw the prophet into to a dungeon. You know, I know how to deal with you. You're making me not feel good. I'll just get rid of you. And I just want you out of my hair. But see, there's the function of, there's the function of Jeremiah's life and what that's doing. What that's bringing about in Jeremiah's life is he's deposing those kings. Abigail did it. You know, David runs up, his army's hungry, and her husband says, no, I'm not going to feed him. He's really a prideful man. Abigail runs out there and gives David and his men some food. David's going to kill everybody. And maybe David shouldn't do that. The next thing you know, that man, her husband, drops dead, and she goes from the foolish man and she gets a king. I mean, that's what I say, and that's what I'm talking about. And this, this, the world system right now is saying, they're basically saying, no one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to even imply that I have a bad attitude. Nobody's even going to imply that I'm so angry that I can say whatever I want. Nothing's going to be said to me. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want at anybody else's expense. You see what's going on. And it's happening in the gender, in the genders, it's happening in ethnicity, and it's happening, it's happening in social economics. It's all around us. And they're just watching in the news, the political drama. But don't, you know, don't watch it in the news. I mean, it's driving you crazy almost and drawing you into a dialogue and a narrative that takes you out of the very presence of the Lord. It, the enemy is trying to draw the people of God into Sinai when our life is inside. Come on. Trying to pull us down into they said, he said, she said, and what, but know what the Lord says. And God had raised up a man, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was like, thus says the Lord. You guys have got your eyes on the wrong thing. You're too caught up in the blues and the reds when you're really a purple. You're a royal. <laughs> you're of a royal family. You're a holy priesthood. You've given up. You've given up the precious, most, most wonderful thing. You've given up the Lord himself. The person of God. You give him up for this. And you're eating crumbs when we can have the meat and potatoes of heaven. And I don't even just know the beautiful God. There's no example. There's nothing that I can even describe to describe what Zion is. And you feel the fiery love of God come 
that we would get out of that minutia, God says, and be raised up into the heavens. Are you seated in heavenly places in Christ? Let's sing the songs of Zion. Let's worship the Lord at his footstool. Let's stop the nonsense. Get above the noise. Get above the snake line. Whatever. It is going to take a responsibility before you and I to know and recognize that something is different about him. And Jeremiah knew it. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7, he says, You wound me in with your love, and now I'm in a pit. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to hear that kind of thing. You get so struck with love. You know what I mean. And you get struck with that love of God that comes into your inner chest, your inner person, and it messes with you. I mean, you're permanently set. And you're, you're like going to find everywhere you can to go find the lover again. And if you can find him anywhere, you go for him. And then how quickly, how quickly, and this is what was going on in Jeremiah's day, how quickly we forget. Why? Because they have the stuff of the things, of the daily life. It's getting them, pulling them down more and more out of their, what the, what the Lord had made available. That he made us for himself. And it's in this context and contrast that Jeremiah is set so much so, and I mentioned this last week, that Zedekiah, he had lost his vision. Last, last Judean king in the southern kingdom, he had lost his vision. They put his eyes out, they killed his sons, there's no transfer. These guys are like, there'll be no more of you kind of kings in Jerusalem. And they carry them off into Babylonian captivity, and Babylonians take them out. They, they, Babylon is the representation of the gold, the girls and the glory of the outward appearance. I mean, there's all kinds of different representations, but that's, that's what it got these Judean kings. They got their eyes on the wrong thing. They got their eyes on things instead of the personhood of Jesus. And so when we're thinking, we're thinking about this this morning, in this context, that God was going to overturn this nation. He'd already overturned the northern kingdom. He's overturning the southern kingdom, and he says, enough's enough. And what happens is Daniel's ministry is going to dovetail into Jeremiah's ministry, because Daniel, I believe, he's about 17 years old or so, and he's going to be a part of the Babylonian captivity. It's going to be some, it's about 84 years old. I think he's about 84 when he begins to give us like Daniel 10. I don't know uh, his age all the way from Daniel 1 to Daniel 12. But I, but I believe if I understood correctly that after the waves of the Babylonians came in and captured the Judeans or Judah, there was actually three waves of this that went over a 20 year period. In 586 BC, they're completely taken captive, all of them. And Daniel's up there, in, or down there, and he's in, he's in modern day Persia or Iran, I believe that is. He's, he's in that place. He's about 17 years old, I guess, when he's taken into captivity. And then he's going to record, by the time we pick up Daniel 10, he's about 84 years old. 
And so it had been some time, and he's prophesying the return. Now, you have to understand, my mom asked me this week to draw it out, so I drew out like a chart like this long of a little bit of like history. And I, I need to draw a race board or something that I can draw it out for you. But in short, he had when the when the kingdom, when they united under Saul, and then David, all the tribes will unite, and then under Solomon, they remain a united monarchy. Then after that, they're split into Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And I believe it's Rehoboam is Solomon's son, is that correct? So Rehoboam's in the south, and then that's the southern kingdom. Jeroboam is in the north. Rehoboam is a Judean. Uh, Jeroboam is an Ephraimite, and the kingdom splits. And what I'm talking about today is coming to the end of the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom will be taken off into Assyrian captivity. The southern kingdom will go into Babylonian captivity. And if you study the Assyrians and you study the Babylonians, you'll find out that they represent two different ideologies. Syria, there, there's this passage, and I don't know exactly where it's at, but it says, the Syrian says in his heart that he's God of the mountains, but not of the valleys. The Syrian can have a perspective of heaven, but cannot translate heaven to earth. And so the way Syria deals with that is, if you don't obey their authority from their heavenly perspective, they'll kill you. I mean, we have some Syrians in power right now, right? In Damascus. And if you don't respect the authority of that leader, that Assad, what do they do? They're using biological uh, agents, and they spread them out, or nerve agents and things against their own people. They'll kill, kill you if you don't obey their authority. But they, they can maybe have an overarching perspective, but they can't bring heaven to earth, so it's very frustrating for them. You know, years ago, remember the Assyrians and refugees that went out all over the nations, and everybody's like, don't send them to my nation. And so everybody's saying, well, you should allow the Syrians into our nation. I mean, but those Syrians are, you know, you got to watch them. And uh, they were causing problems in all these different nations because they were coming in and they, they had their issues and stuff. And I said, Lord, why are you sending the Syrians into other nations? He said, I'm exposing uh, my people who are not bringing heaven to earth. And so Syria represents that, whereas Babylon represents the, the presumption and the outward appearance of things. And so Babylon carries him off into captivity. There's Daniel. And Daniel is going to prophesy the return. Because now the first temple has been torn down, the one Solomon built. And now some 70 years later, after the, the end of the exile, after the Babylonians sacked the temple, 70 years later, Daniel's prophesying there's going to be a return. And this is what we call the second temple period. And you've read Ezekiel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, um, Zechariah, and these prophets were, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, these were the prophets of the day that were bringing in the call from the second temple. And Daniel's the one who's going to prophesy that. And so last week, and what I was 
what I just kind of want to snapshot for you here is, is that Jeremiah is ending a line of kings. Daniel's prophesying a king who is returning called the Ancient of Days. And he's going to prophesy the second temple and the end time event, which is going to be uh, the Ancient of Days, who's going to come by. And then Ezekiel is going to be called up to the throne and he's going to see uh, the revelation of the Ancient of Days in the heavens. And where I want to pick up this morning is on Ezekiel from last week. Ezekiel says something. Uh, he says this in Ezekiel 21, 27. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. And I'm sure that you, I'm sure that you know who that him is, right? The Lord. This is an this is an illusion, or he's using a scripture passage that goes back to. Uh, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter forty-nine, uh, verse ten. It says here that the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs. And so the nations, it says, will obey him. It's speaking of the Lord. Now, another translation, it says, until Shiloh comes. That the ruler's staff will not depart from Judah, that there will not be a departure, a departing of that. A governing rule until he who comes who it belongs. And so what, what's happening here, and Ezekiel is prophesying, saying, I'm going to overturn, overturn, overturn until the one who right it is comes back uh, to whom it belongs.
when we came into this uh, this city, and the word said, you know, go into Asheville last September the twentieth, and we we found out this place was originally called Edenware. And I, I remember it wasn't too long before we came in here that I had been looking at the text and, and realized that in the northern kingdom and in the southern kingdom that they were both lost through a garden. And when you study those kings and when they're taking their last flight, they lose the whole thing through a garden. And then when we got here, the worst of an hour restored this nation through a garden. This garden called Edenland. And we get in here to take our ground, even in this nation. And now, Stephen, if you'll if you'll come on forward, and um, even this morning when we were worshiping the Lord, um, I have felt like it was like the day when, like Israel is standing before the Lord and, and they're standing to uh, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 and remember Ammon and Moab and Edom had come against God's people. You know, I, I don't know if I've said this before, but Ammon means nationalism. It's the idea of nationalism. And Moab means who's your daddy. And Edom, as you know, is representative like Esau and as he loses his birthright because he's ready to settle for he's ready to settle for the pot of soup from Jacob more than he's more than he wants the birthright of God in his life, his inheritance. He set the temporal inheritance over his um, over his spiritual inheritance in the Lord. And these things that they tried uh, to come against God's house and God's word happening in this nation right now. I've been trying to say this word for like weeks in this uh, series on Starling. It's just like it's in my mouth, but I just try to say it. And I don't want to get it out this morning. But it's like everything wants to hinder it. I don't know why. It's just like the thing wants to be hindered. But I don't want to say this like. I want, I want it to come out of my mouth. In the day when Balaam was asked by Balak to curse, to curse his nation, to curse the people of God, 
Balaam, he said, no matter how much money you give me or whatever you want to say, I can't curse God's people. He falls, this oracle has come out of his mouth. He hears the words of God. He said, these words, they're from the knowledge of the Most High, and I, I see in a vision the Almighty. And falling flat on the ground with his eyes wide open. The same thing that will happen in Daniel. The same thing that's going to happen to Ezekiel. You know, Balaam may have been wrongly motivated, but he just couldn't do it. He couldn't authorize out of his mouth anything other than the God's word over God's people. And he says this. He said, I see him. He says, but not now. I see him afar off. I see him outside of time, but he's not even this time. I, I'm beholding him. But, and he might not say this, but I don't want But I want you to be close at him. I want you to come back. You know, because you're getting some time when you just get tired of all the stuff, you know. You get hit from every angle. The spirit of the bride begins to say, come on. I want to say it to you today. I want you now. I want you to come back. Because I'm tired of this. Nothing. 
I've been wanting to say this for like six weeks. It says, it says a star. The, the translation means the figure of a king. It says some think that it's the prophecy concerning David, but it's an eschatological thing that goes beyond him. There's something outside a star. There's the sighting of the star that the Magi looked in the hole. Two or three years in all this examination of their whole life, a star of Bethlehem was raising up above them. It's One born the king of the Jews. Yeah. The expression was like the son of a king, the son of a star. It became the title for kingship. The son of the star. It says it's about him. We'll march forth. I think I know what Zachariah said. Grace, grace. I, I think I understand why it wouldn't be just grace. Then why he would have to say grace, grace. That's that that that. That the son of a king that we would be so overtaken by him that, that we would with him march forth. God is going to take everything to finish this. It's going to take everything to get it done. That out of Jacob, and a scepter, God's government will rise. This government is coming forth. Will rise to power. In the middle of vanquishing all the other false systems in this world, this government is rising. They, they say that it is strangely rendered in this text like a comma. This parallel with this star will rise out of Israel. He's going to crush the spoils of Moab. You know what he's coming to crush? That everything that says, who's your daddy? You know, that's the lie of the enemy. You know, that he had abandoned us and leave us alone. That we wouldn't know who our daddy is. 
Stephen sings, let's go ahead and come forward for communion and we'll take communion together.
took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you.